At long last, I am able to say a few words of my own. Read my lips. Government is not the solution to our problem. Senator, good morning again in America. Well, look, Big Bird. Yes, we did. Government is the problem. Welcome to a conservative and a liberal walk into a bar. My name is Matt, and I'm a liberal. My name is Tim. I'm a conservative. Thank you so much for joining us. We are excited to have you. We have a follower. We do have a follower. What's up, We have up, one Kells? follower. What, is it? what was it? Kel, Kels, Kel, eight, Kels, Kel, Kels, eight, eight, two, one, one, NCC, one, seven, oh, one D, whatever. Thank you yeah. for listening. We're going to assume your name is Kelly, so if, if, if that's the case, Kelly, thank you. If it's not, and Kels821111, you're awesome. You're our first follower, so we're saying hello. Uh, we have uh, we have a, we, we, well, we have a show. We're going to talk about uh, the election, uh, big news out of South Carolina tonight. We're going to talk about uh, a little bit about the economy, uh, some interesting stuff going on on the Republican side from an establishment standpoint. Round of applause, WTF and quick hits as per usual. Uh, before we get to that, how are you, friend? I'm great. We just got done visiting with all the family, with the aunts and cousins and mom and everybody. And it was, it was pretty fantastic to be back in Kentucky and hanging out with everybody. So yeah, pretty, pretty happy and excited right now. How are you doing? I'm hanging in there. Can't complain. Uh, so today, South Carolina, they voted and I kind of think they spoke. Bernie got well, Bernie, Ber- Bernie got Bernie got beat. Bernie got burned. Feel the burn. Bernie, Bernie got Sorry. burned. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> bad. bad. That was really bad. I mean, he's such a nice guy, but God dang, that was brutal. Sorry, yeah. bro. <laughs> I know. I mean, you know, it. I mean, the the, the Bernie's whole uh, Bernie's mantra up to now has been, "I'm we're gaining on it," and. He kind of had been, you know, he had, he could say that a little bit coming out of Nevada, even though, you know, a good, Hillary won by a good five, six points in Nevada. But I mean, he got shellacked. He gained no ground. If anything, he lost ground. Yeah. He got destroyed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and this was a big thing because everyone has said, you know, look, all right, with a bunch of, when it's a bunch of white people and, you know, Northeastern liberals, Sure, Bernie's going to do okay, but the moment we get into minority-heavy areas, uh, with you know, especially with with high African American populations, they don't know Bernie, they don't like Bernie, and you know, Bernie said over and over again, "Well, as soon as they get to know me, they're going to love me." South Carolina did not did not love him, so this this I think this is bad. I think this is bad. Maybe maybe I'm overstating. Well, we'll certainly we'll find out more Super Tuesday, but. I, I think this could be the the first of the the death knells for for the burn. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I, I mean, I think this is you know it, it's it's like you said. If he was going to make the case, this is where he had to make the case. He needed to get really above forty percent to I think to really stay legitimately in the conversation. Now I think he's going to. I don't think he's going to go anywhere, and I think that's okay. I think it's a good thing that he stay in a little while longer and, you know, keep Hillary. Oh on yeah. Toes. Yeah. No, um, definitely stay in. Well, cause I mean, she's got, she's got stuff hanging over her head. So, I mean, things could come out, things could, you know, the, the whole FBI investigation could blow up who knows, but 
Yeah, I, I, unless some, unless Hillary just something just explodes and she has something up completely, where the FBI investigation takes a horrible turn for. Her, yeah, I, I think she's got it. I think she's got it on lock. Well, but she imp- she continues to improve with time and competition. She just gets better at this, mm-hmm. and I I think it helps her. You know, to have. Uh, a bit of an adversary. And I think Bernie's given her that if he's done, you know, if he does nothing coming out of this, I think he's made her better as a campaigner. And I think that's a good thing. Absolutely. I mean, that's what the primary process is for. So it's, it's certainly, you know, it doesn't do uh, whatever leader of the, the part of either party any good. If they just coast right through the primaries, you know, this is, Giving her a chance to kind of see see what the competition is going to bring up against her and uh, prepare responses for it, so she doesn't get blindsided in the general. Yeah, yeah, um, and and this is this is this has been my one. the The other thing that I think this this points to is the the one thing about Bernie that he's been you know over and over and over again. We're we are the revolution, you know we're going to change, you know, the conversation politically and, you know, take on the oligarchy and again, the revolution and yada, 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 yada. The, the thing about it is, is that this revolution that he keeps talking about, that all of his followers keep talking about that somehow they really got into the mainstream news. It's not happening because democratic turnout is actually quite a bit lower. Yeah. Than it was in in 2008. I heard I heard by as much my as 20% theory this morning. All the hell. Yeah. So well, and this um, is man and I hate this about my generation, but you know, old people they don't show They up. don't show up. Old people show up to vote, minorities show up to vote, young white people don't show up to vote and that was burns big that was burns big group and uh you know if he's failing his supporters have no one to blame but themselves for not coming out to vote for him exactly um but here's another interesting point that this there's so much made of this youth vote and can you turn out the youth vote and bill clinton turned out the youth vote and obama turned out the youth vote and that's how they won and Yada, yada, yada. David Axelrod, tonight, who is, again, Obama's chief campaign advisor, the campaign chief of staff, uh, made the point tonight on CNN that it was nice to have the young people turn out. But if you look at the numbers in 2008 and 2012, even if the young people don't show up, you take that demographic completely out of the election, Barack still won. Really? Because they did, he did, he did, he did win them and he did turn them out, but not in such great a numbers that they swung the election. So it's nice that, you know, and it might've helped Bernie to really be able to turn them out in the primary, but will, would they make as much of a difference in the general were he to get elected? The answer is possibly even not. It's not necessarily no, but it certainly isn't a guarantee. Oh, he brings out the youth vote. And that means he can win. I mean, if he so, actually could bring out the youth vote, then maybe he, then maybe that's possible. But there's a difference between you know getting a few more young people than normal to vote and getting like the majority of young people out to vote. If you really got the majority of young people out to vote, then yeah, of course this could swing an election. But at, at best, when people talk about getting the youth vote, they're just talking about getting more than usual, which is yeah. not a lot. 
Well, and even, exactly. And even, but even in the best of times, people generally, if, if, if the, my point is, is that if Obama couldn't turn them out in the kind of numbers that would swing an election, it's hard for me to see Bernie turning them out. Truth. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, Obama so, was certainly something special, at, le- at least in 2008, from a campaign standpoint. And if if that wasn't setting people on fire, then I don't know what's going to. Yeah, exactly. So, um, other wares in the uh, in 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 the 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 the, the primary election <laughs> thing, uh, we we talked we got in we got in in time already to talk about where the last Republican primary went. We are down to five now. We got to watch a down to five debate that basically turned into a everybody jump in the mud pit and oil wrestle. Well, except for debate. my man Kasich. And Ben Carson and his fruit salad. Well, yeah, but Carson just wasn't allowed to play, so <laughs> <it doesn't, laughs> he do, he doesn't count. He would have loved to be jumping in on everything, but they just didn't hands. want to talk to him. What was hands. that? Look Why was I looking at your hands? What was that was the thing. weirdest thing I've ever. What is it with him and his closing statements? It's always weird. I don't know. I oh, haven't worked on my What did he do? He recited what he recited the constitution one time? What the what what? Yeah, I really did hope he, he drops really? out. He did. He Man. recited the preamble of the constitution. Did Why? I miss that one? I guess that, you was did. Was that in the that maybe the one that I didn't see? You yeah. know, I almost didn't watch this one. Because I've, you know, I've been a good little democrat in in watching the watching the other the other the other team play <laughs> the others and yeah. the other one well, and again I'm not really even a democrat but okay liberal I've been a good little liberal and watched the other guys uh, and and I thought you know what I just don't know if I can take any more of this crap and I so I almost didn't watch but I I went ahead and watched and I felt a little dirtier afterward having watched it. Uh, cause yeah, I mean, okay. So, I mean, talk, talk to me, Republican, this, how, how did this, how did this make you feel? How did this make me feel? I mean, not that much different from <laughs> every primary. Well, no, that's not true. Some of the primaries I've walked out fairly excited because we seem to bring up some good points, especially when we talk about taxes, but I, I, I mean, I, I guess I, I, did, I feel frustrated with the entire process, and I feel a little stupid even continuing to talk about the process because it seems very clear to me that Trump is the winner, and it's felt clear for a long time, and I feel stupid at this point just saying it over and over again, Trump's going to win. This is just the way it is. It doesn't matter what anyone says. It doesn't matter how much we jump on them. It, it doesn't matter. Uh, so I'm super glad that we devolved into that ridiculous shouting match um, where everyone was just talking over each other and whining and complaining. I'm glad that Rubio managed to stand up for himself a little bit and didn't sound quite so much like an automaton, but none of it matters. Oh, shocking. Trump was insulting. Oh, shocking. Trump called people liars. Oh, shocking. What? Just, it's just dumb. The whole thing's dumb. I'm sick of it. I'll be excited when the stupid primary is over and we can get to the general election in which hopefully Trump gets crushed by anyone. Um, yeah, the, the whole thing's just ridiculous. Yeah. 
There, there's nothing new. Like I can't give some sort no, of. No, you're like, right. Oh, there's not. Oh, look, I mean, Rubio. Yeah, Rubio. I, now look how he really proved himself. No, no one proved anything except that yeah, Trump's going to win. Yeah, again. but poor Rubio. Rubio really thinks he proved himself. Did you see? Did you see him smile every time he got one in? Every time he got one little shot into in in, in on in on on Donald, he he got this little smile on his face. It was precious. It was like it was it, it was it was like some kid putting on his big boy pants for the first time. The people who are going to vote for Trump, they're already going to vote for Trump, and they hate the people on the establishments. So the more that they insult Trump, the more it just makes them mad at the establishment people, and they just jump up and down, going, "Yes, that's right, get them, Trump. They are liars. They are stupid. You know, it's not going to make a difference." Well, and nobody can nobody can point in the things. Here's some things that I've I've noticed that are that are of, of, of genuine substance. One, the media this entire time has insisted that you said once that that Kasich was the media's favorite Republican. I disagree. I actually think that that Marco is the media's favorite Republican. I think they really wanted Marco. Because they every time they go, oh, this is the night Marco had. A, he had a really tonight. Marco really had a good night, except for New Hampshire, when they sort of grudgingly had to look at at Christie and go, whew, yeah, that's an ass whooping. But every every time the media really thinks that Marco is going to make some headway, and he never met, does any better than third. And none of them can show me show me a state Rubio can win. They can't. They can't find yeah. him. even Florida. He can't even win Florida. He can't even win his own state. I mean, Kasich is looking like he could probably win his own state, and 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 Marco can't pull it off. So, uh, and Kasich can go win anything. So, uh, you know, there's that's 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 one. Two, uh, if if Rubio is the quote establishment candidate, then why isn't the establishment endorsing him? Well, the establishment has endorsed him. He's got yeah, more endorsements not, than. Anyone? It's not even close. Not any of the big ones. You haven't seen anybody out of the Bush family jump out and endorse him. Mitt Romney hasn't endorsed him. Uh, none of the candidates. Let's see who 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 that's left. That what you would consider an establishment, big big name establishment person that has left the campaign came out and endorsed Rubio Santorum. Well, who else? I know there's is, a lot of smaller I mean, name Chrissy. senators out there, but none of them. I mean, a lot of the biggest endorsements out there that would have really moved the needle in the Republican world have gone to either Cruz or Trump. They're not going to, they're not going to Rubio or they went to Bush before Bush got out. And That's what I'm people, saying. That, those are the people that you might see now swing towards Rubio. And if they're going to do right. it, they need to do it. Absolutely. But now they're going to be scared to do it because they don't want to lose favor with who's probably going to win. AKA Trump. Haven't they are. Doesn't Trump already hate them? Well, yeah, Trump already hates the establishment, but they don't want to get singled out by name. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I mean, it's one thing to just to be part of this mythical thing that Trump hates. It's a whole nother to, you know, really draw his attention to you. Yeah, that's true. Well, we're going to talk a little bit more about the establishment and the state of state of things for the Republicans uh, a little bit later on. But uh, for for now, I kind of want to shift over to, to talking about the economy. Um, obviously there's been a lot of, uh, there has Lindsey been a Graham lot of Rubio. Sorry. Just wanted did to point he? that out. I thought so. When did I thought he do that, that? When Bush dropped out, he endorsed Rubio. Because ah. I remember being mad that he didn't endorse Kasich. Did he really? I totally missed that. Huh? Mm-hmm. Well, that's fascinating. 
Okay. Well, good for him. I think. No, actually, I don't, know, I don't care. I don't like either one of them anymore. We'll talk about that later. So, uh, anyways, uh, there's been obviously if you're watching either side of this, uh, the Republicans paint not just a bleak picture of the economy. The Republicans paint sort of a Revelation seven twelve kind of picture of the economy. Not only are we going down downhill, we're we're already at the bottom of the hill and about to fall into the cesspool because the Democrats are running everything. Um, or you look at the Democrats and it's yeah, I don't know that I would say rosy, but it's fairly rosy. But to me, if you look at the, a lot of the numbers that are out there, it seems pretty good, with the exception of maybe a few things. So I I just I, I want to get it, try to get to the the nuts of where where we are from an economic standpoint. Um, good, bad, kind of, maybe? What, what do you think? Well, I mean, up until the, the stock market crashes that we had of, of late, you know, the response would have been that we were solid. You know, we're not doing great, but, I mean, you know, you look at you look at how Europe's doing, how China's doing, how a lot of the rest of the world's doing. We were sort of, we, we were stable, you know, Um and then, of course, you have the Fed raise the interest rates, and you know now there's been some some struggles with the stock market. Hopefully, this is going to bounce right back. Uh, it hasn't bounced back yet, but yeah, hopefully it will soon. But I mean, I mean, overall, or especially when you consider where we were in 2008, you know, the economy is doing fairly well. Um, you know, we. Wages are wages have really been the the main issue, but I mean inflation's doing fine. The um, unemployment's doing well. So I mean these, yeah, we we have a we have a reasonably stable economy. Uh, the big fear that everyone has is that if if the economy doesn't recover, if, if the stock markets don't recover, and this starts to lend towards a recession, the fear is that we're out of ammo. Right. The fear is that we don't we don't have any more tools to throw it to throw at this to manipulate things through either physical or monetary policy. And that that's the worry that people have. And they're definitely worried that, you know, no politician has the stomach for another bailout should that become necessary because of all the bad publicity that the bailout's gotten, even though we've gotten all the money back from the bailout. The bailout didn't cost anything. We actually made money off of the bailout. But for some reason, it's gotten all of this negative publicity, especially from the on the Republican side. Like any economist worth his salt would have said, it would it would have been monumentally stupid to not do the bailout. You know, this is exactly what turned the the Great Depression into the Great Depression, right? That they just tried to let things run without doing anything, and and we learned our lesson that you can't do that. And so, thankfully, Obama and the rest of the rest of Congress uh, made made it happen. Um, well, but I mean, some of that is because they the didn't reason Bush do the, the stimulus though. Is, We're all talking about yeah. the bailout. I thought Bush did well, the bailout. Well, yeah, but that ultimately that's the big point about the stimulus and the bailout. Yeah. That you know the Republicans would say, you know, oh Obama and the bailout and look at what he did and yada yada yada. And it's like, dude, Bush did the that was Bush did the bailout. Bush kind of started that. Why are yeah. you throwing that at Obama's feet? Really? Um. So I, I guess because he um, bailed out the car industry. Yeah, yeah. Well, that one. Which and again, the car you know, industry Romney is also doing well. So is also doing well. Yeah, and Romney. You remember Romney tried to hit Obama on that one hard, 
you know, in, in 2012. Uh, mm-hmm. And Bush, or not Bush, Obama just hit right back with the one op-ed where he, he uh, Romney said, let him fail, uh, if you'll recall. Uh, you know, just to play devil's advocate, because, I mean, I, I, I tend to think that we're, as long as, I think a lot of this is tied to China. China is really struggling right now. And the problem of this, of this global, you know, this global economy that we've tried to, to create, this sort of myth about globalization, uh, is that unfortunately we are all sort of in a way tied together. So now that China has fallen apart. I'm, I'm sorry, can, us, you, can, you, can you back up real quick to where you just said the myth of globalization and explain that, that term for me, sir? Well, <laughs> <laughs> what, what did that mean? I, it's what I think is the problem of globalization. And part of the problem of globalization is that I think it's hurt us on the manufacturing front. And I think that that's part of the reason why we have such a problem right now with not having a middle class. And to me, it's the one thing that people don't want to talk about is that, and I've said this over and over again, we make nothing. We don't make anything here. We The reason that we had such an uptick in the post-World War II economy and as a, in, in the middle class in general, going right up into the mid-70s, is that we had a strong working class that became the middle class. You were able to have a blue-collar job, and there wasn't any shame in it. Blue-collar jobs were very good. Manufacturing plants were all over the place, and these were good things to have. And now we don't have that. We have no manufacturing base at all. We don't make anything. And I think part of globalization has been that those jobs went to China. They went to Japan. They went to Mexico. They went uh, to Taiwan. They went really all over the Far East. And they're not here anymore. So what do you do? You know? And, And it also... I, I, and I'm sorry, I think that some of that has to do with globalization. Am I wrong? Well, naturally, some of it has to do with globalization, but it, it it's like trying to fight globalization is like trying to fight technology, right? It, it's going to happen. It's, technology is going to advance. You can't save people's job by trying to slow down the rate of uh, machination, right? And it's the same with globalization. That, that's the direction everything's going. So you, you can't. Uh, save manufacturing jobs by shutting down our borders and imposing tariffs and, and doing things of this nature. You you need free trade agreements. You need to be involved in, in the world economy and what's going on. Now, there's ways to attract manufacturing jobs. Uh, you know, we, we have a, a big plus in that people want... People want to have their companies in the United States. The United States is a nice place to work. It's a very, from a bureaucratic level, from a corruption level, you know, we're, we're, we're top of the world. And so people want to be here. We just have to find ways of, of attracting the, those companies to stay here, to, to invest their money here. And, I mean, it's obviously possible, you know, there's a Toyota plant, not an hour's drive from me. Why in the world would Toyota have a plant here in the United States if it was so horrible and so destructive in order to, to manufacture things here? You know, so we just, we have to figure out other ways to do this. But talking well, about globalization, Toyota, Toyota if it's a, a bad of, thing. Toyota has a number of plants around the U.S. And Nissan is another one that is, has been trying to build more yeah. plants in the u.s lately there's a lot of car manufacturing plants not all of them american that are trying to make 
cars here in the U.S. Yeah, so I mean, this thing. isn't entirely possible to do, and what we've got to do is stop badmouthing uh, globalization, stop badmouthing free trade, and accept that these these are good things. This is part of you know what has driven our, our economy uh, is globalization. And we need to find ways to, to attract companies here. And number one of which is cutting the corporate tax rate. Okay, fair enough. The, so we have that. Let me, let me ask you another thing that, 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 is, that has come up again. You seem you are, you are smarter than I am on such things. But, uh, yeah, I am. Dodd, Dodd-Frank. Dodd-Frank. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Yes, I do. Okay. That's uh, <laughs> the anti-smoking been, bill. Has it been completely ineffectual? Because it sounds to me that it that both sides want to say it's ineffectual. The Republicans want to say it's ineffectual because it's a regulation and, well, we don't do that kind of thing. Or <laughs> the, the Democrats want to say it's ineffectual because it really only put one person in jail. And because it didn't have big enough teeth. So is it, has it been completely ineffectual? Is it just a wait? Was it just a waste of time? And is there anything else that, that can or should be done? You know? No, I I don't think it's a complete failure. You know, obviously we needed uh, some more regulation uh, involved now. And and this is the issue that um, Republicans are going to bring up over and over again is that, the more regulation that you have, the more complicated that you make things, the the harder this makes things for the little guy, right? The big banks, the big companies, they can afford to find ways around stuff, right? Because they're they're big, they can hire their teams of lawyers. Um, but you look at the smaller banks, and and they don't stand a prayer. They they can't possibly uh, keep up with the the sorts of regulations that Dodd Frank puts on it, and so that's why we see you know the collapse of the community banking system. But at the same time, uh, you know, a lot of the complaints that people levy, you know, the fact that the, you know, the, you know, what's the fact that it's not like three of the four banks that were too big to fail or fail are now even bigger than they were, are, are deceptive, right? You know, the, the fact that they're bigger than they were, well, one, they're bigger because the United States government asked them, can you please take on this bad debt to help save our economy and swallow up some of these other failed companies? And they did that at the behest of our government, right? Um, so, of course, they're bigger. And then also, these same big banks aren't as unstable as they once were because because of Dodd-Frank, they have to have, they have much, much higher capital requirements. So, you know, Dodd-Frank is, it's, it's like Obamacare, you know? It was a necessary first step, and now it needs to be tweaked. Now, the problem is, is that it's once something is regulated, once the government gets its paws into something, it is inevitably far, far harder to get the government to take its paws out. And that's the problem that we're going to run into. So well, let me ask you this. Would you be so, because it sounds to me as though a lot of a, a number of the candidates on the Republican side want to remove Dot Frank, repeal it. Uh would you be in favor of that? No, absolutely not. Because Dodd Frank put in some, you know, I mean, capital requirements. This is the primary thing, right, that can help prevent banks from failing. Is telling them, look, you have to have more money. <laughs> you have to have more money actually in hand 
uh, in order in order to continue. And so that's that's a necessary thing, and that's a good thing. So no, we, we shouldn't just blanket repeal Dodd Frank. The same as we shouldn't just blanket repeal Obamacare. We need to to tweak things. You know, now in the case of Obamacare, there needs to be some very large tweaking. And with Dodd Frank, maybe there's some some a fair amount of tweaking that needs to be done. But the moment you start talking about we're going to completely repeal something and get rid of it, that's currently so ingrained in the system. I don't think this does anyone any good. I think this inspires a lot of fear and uncertainty. Um, whereas all we need to do is make some adjustments. Well, but that's kind of what the Republican candidates these days are preying on is that fear and uncertainty. Because they're basically going back and saying, don't worry, we can still repeal the last eight years. Which I disagree with. I disagree with any Republican that was, just wants to go through and repeal everything that's happened because that, that's ignoring the fact that, you know, a, a health care bill needed to be passed. This had to happen. Otherwise, we would be in the same goddamn position that we were nine years ago, which was completely unacceptable. Uh, and it, the same thing would happen has happened with the immigration bill. You know, we were this close, this close. And it failed, and we've never been able to pass something. Whereas now, okay, we've got a healthcare law in the books. Let's take it, and let's let's make some pretty major adjustments. Let's make Obamacare look more like Ryan's Patients' Choice Act, which isn't that hard to do. The fundamentals are the same, except for the fact that Obama doubles down on employers being responsible for insurance, whereas Ryan correctly wants to get rid of that. Um, but going about saying we're just going to repeal everything, this 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 is no good. Well, and the interesting thing is that Rubio actually seems to double down on uh, on employers taking the rain. Yeah, it was really? it was interesting the other night. Yeah, if you listen to what he said about, I mean, and if I that is if I understood what he was saying, um, which is that uh, I'm trying to remember if I if I wrote any of it down. It doesn't look like I did. But if you go back and listen to what he said, he basically. Uh, push this idea that that we need to make make it so that your employers are still and more are are primarily responsible for helping get health care no um, yeah he did i mean he specifically said stuff along those lines that, that uh, is anathema to conservative thinking i cannot believe that if, if that is what he said i can't believe that he said that there is the exact opposite of, of what needs to be done and it's the opposite of what the majority of republicans out there would say and it's not in keeping with any of the, or the republican plans that have been put forth yeah it's it, that's why it really surprised me i uh i god i really thought i wrote a lot of it down but it was really it was really surprising that that was the direction that he he seemed to want to go. Uh, That's awful. Know, um, well, it is. Well, Rubio is awful. I, of course, you're saying he's awful for wanting the exact same thing that Obama did, which is hilarious that he's wanting no, what Obama did. And he, no, that, but that that's not why he's awful. He's that's, awful. <laughs> there's, there's lots of other reasons. There are. Lots of them, lots of other reasons, but that's okay. Um, so the, the lack of so we've got the lack of manufacturing, but then at the same time, there is the point that the middle class is under is under fifty percent of the population now for the first time in a long time. Correct. Um, uh, and again, the lack of manufacturing is there. Uh, I have seen in places where people want to lay those two things. I th- because I think those two things are inextricably linked. The fall of the middle yeah. class and the fall of manufacturing. And there are an awful lot of people that seem to want to lay that at the feet of Obama, which 
I don't think it's fair. I think it's been heading in that direction for 30 years. And to look at the last eight and say, well, look there, that's why Obama is the reason why we have a, a lack of a manufacturing base and, and a falling middle class. I just think that's where we've been going. Am I wrong? Yeah, I, I think that's 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 completely fair, you know, because and, and because I mean, free trade obviously opens up that that possibility that our manufacturing plants are going to build in, in other countries. And when we set about set some of these free trade things into place, NAFTA, for example, we didn't do enough to entice. Uh, people to stay in the United States. Uh, now that said, manufacturing's been going down since well before NAFTA. You know, this is this is hardly a, a, a new revelation. Um, and so yeah, so we, I mean, absolutely, I think you're absolutely right that the, the downfall of manufacturing and the downfall of the middle class are linked. Uh, I just don't think that the the best response to that is you know tariffs and, and throwing up walls. We just need to find better ways to attract companies to do their manufacturing here. Yeah, absolutely. And understand, I don't either. I don't, I don't think, I don't think throwing up tax uh, tariffs and, and, you know, again, building, building the, building the great wall of, of Tijuana uh, is necessarily the, the way. <laughs> I, I meant like metaphorical walls, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. But also big giant walls <laughs> on, uh, in Mexico. <laughs> Um, so, uh, well now I've completely lost my train of thought, <laughs> man. And you know what? I'm going to say something crazy. And I may have said this before. I'm not against Trump's wall idea. I'm, I'm not against this idea. You know, there's a lot of jokes made about it and stuff, probably because he always says that he's going to make Mexico pay for it. And he called Mexicans rapists, but the wall in and of itself, I don't think is a horrible thing. You know, we, we do have issues with illegal immigrants coming across. We do need to stabilize the border. A wall might be a good way to do this. Fine. I, I don't have a problem with the wall. I have a problem with, at the same time, this sort of demonization of immigration in general, That as if immigration is a bad thing, that we don't want that. No, we want more immigration. We need to make the process of coming into the country legally far, far easier. I think most of the country doesn't realize how difficult it is to come into the country legally. So fine, and, build your wall, but make it easier to come in easier legally. And and nobody talks about that angle of things. They know? don't because um, they're not as smart as I am. They never. And well, and that's one of the things that has always been surprising to me about Rubio as a human being is, is that you would think that, that his, with his ties to that community, to the, to the Latino community, uh, that he would have some understanding of what this process is like. And that no, he's Cuban. He's Cuban. He doesn't have any, that's a completely different thing. We love Cubans. We let Cubans in as long as you get a foot on the ground and you're Cuban, you're in. It's a completely well, yeah, different from, yeah, structure. They're, they're escaping communism. Exactly. And, and that's why you see all these Cubans suddenly trying to get across and getting stuck in Central American countries because they're worried that's going to go away now that we have the normalization of relationships between Cuba and the United States. Yeah, which, well, his objection to that is very much on record. Um, mm -hmm. But I... I my my point is is that no what nobody is is discussing that angle of it just how difficult it is to pull this off now, if you want to come here because they act like it's totally that it's that it's really easy and that the problem is is that nobody does it like 
Rubio doesn't even seem to want to acknowledge that there is a problem. No, it's virtually impossible it, to come in here legally. He says, yeah, I know. But when when he's asked about it, he says that there isn't even any point in talking about fixing immigration until we address, until we enforce the laws. That's what he says. You can't fix immigration because we don't enforce laws. And once, once we start enforcing the laws, then we can talk about fixing immigration. What, what laws are they talking about enforcing? What, what does that mean? I haven't got a clue. I don't know. But is he talking about, is he talking about the fact, and this is one question I have to admit that I, I don't, that I, I don't really understand. And I'm, I'm not going to sound, I'm, I'm going to sound meaner than I mean it, than it sounds. But we talk about, there are all these illegal immigrants out there and we got to do something about the illegal immigrants. And maybe he's talking about, we maybe he wants to deport people. Maybe he wants to do. I don't know. That's the thing with Rubio is he never really says what he wants to do. He just talks about what you can't do. So when when you have it, what's illegal, is he talking about the fact that we have illegal immigrants, but we don't talk about them as though they've done anything that's like against the law. So when did it become okay to be illegal. You know what I mean? Uh, Nobody no. talks about like <laughs> illegal, like Ill, Ill, illegal immigration. There's all these people that are out there illegally. And we know they're out there illegally, but we don't actually do anything about it. You know what I mean? We don't like they haven't actually, we know they've done something illegal, but then we don't talk about them as though they've done anything illegal. You talk about people that they have done something stores. illegal. They, they, they've come into the country illegally. That's why they're but, illegal immigrants. I, I don't is, understand is there, what you're talking about. Is there, I mean, is there any, I mean, apart from deportation, is there any sort of punishment for that thing? What, what do we do to what it's, what do we do to illegal people that are here illegally? Do we just kick them out? Yeah. If you're here, illi- if you're, if, if we find you here illegally, then you're supposed to be deported. Now, the problem, and this is, and when he talks about laws being enforced, I mean, this is kind of what he's talking about, that, you know, if you find someone here who is not supposed to be here, then they're supposed to be sent out. That's the rule. That's how this works. But there's such a a lack of communication between local law enforcement and federal uh, immigration services that everything gets just lost and mixed up and messed up. Um, now, I mean, Obama for a while was, you know, the deporter in chief. Uh, he deported there for several years there. He deported more than any other president, you know? Yeah, he was kicking um, people out left and right. Yeah. Uh, the, the problem with deportation is that it's so expensive. This costs a yeah, lot of money, yeah. you know? Uh, and this is why I hate all of the, the conservatives because now Cruz, Cruz has jumped on the Trump bag bandwagon and talking about how, yes, we're going to deport all 11 million. This is not conservative fiscal thinking. Uh, this this is ridiculous. This is massively expensive. Um, far better to to build our wall and prevent anyone else from coming in, and and then talk about you know some form of a pathway to legalization for the people that are here. That's that's conservative fiscal thinking. Uh, that's massive deportations is not. Yeah, and none of and all of these things really add up to not necessarily being good for the economy. There's there's a point where I can almost see where 
if you drop, what did, what did they say? I think, what, what, what are they saying? Like 10, 12 billion to build the wall. That's what it's going to cost. Something in that neighborhood. I, I don't know. So if you drop that 10 to 12 billion on the wall, is the idea that you would back, be able to back off on what you pay for border patrol. Right. So could it be one of those things where we spend money and then save money? I mean, is there, is that a reasonable thing? I suppose it might be. I could see that argument. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I guess, I guess that, that seems reasonable. That yeah, I, that would make sense. Okay, I don't know. I, I'm not. I don't even know about. But you know, I, this, my problem with talking about the wall is that the people who talk about building the wall are Donald Trump, and I ain't gonna vote for Donald Trump. So. I don't actually care how much he talks about building the wall. Well, anyway, well, it, Donald you know. Trump talks about building the Great Wall of Mexico, but any, you know, you look at the immigration bill of 2007, you know, this, this entailed, you know, over 300 miles of new fencing, you know? I mean, this doesn't it doesn't lead to a, a complete straight Great Wall of Mexico, but ev- everyone who when we talk about immigration, we talk about some way of preventing more illegals from coming in, but creating a pathway to citizenship. Everyone has talked about first, and this is what happened in the 2007 bill. First, the fencing and the additional border patrols had to go up. And once those were up, then the others, the other things could happen. And that's basically what Rubio is saying. He's saying that we have to install the faith. We have to gain the faith of the American people that we can control immigration. We can control who comes in and out of the country. And once we can do that, then we can talk about creating some sort of pathway to civil, a pathway to legalization. But until we've demonstrated that through additional fencing, through additional border patrols, by enforcing our deportation laws, we can't discuss the other, which isn't and do you think, unreasonable. Does that... I mean, I can see where that's got that. There's there's potentially some merit in that, but there, I, I think there's definitely merit in that. But at the same time, in order to make something politically feasible, because no Democrat is just going to vote for more walls, so you have to have it in the same bill as we had in 2011 or 2007. So you know that that's the problem when you say, well, we can't we can't even talk about this right now. Well. In order to get the first thing passed, they kind of all needs to be part of the same bill. Now, one of the problems that comes up is that for all the bleeding heart liberal bullshit that comes out of the Democrats, they're the ones who are backed by the unions and they're the ones who are anti creating an easier process for people to come and work into the, in this country legally, because then they're going to take union jobs. They're going to drive down the wages and the unions don't want any part of it. And that's what sunk the 2007 bill. Thanks to Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton. Well, and that was a shame. That was a big shame. Because we we talked about that, the, we did the fact that yeah the fact that he that he that he didn't support that, yeah. Um, but you know, I mean, this is again, I, I I see blame on both sides. It's you know, but in that case, I think unfortunately it did come down to like one or two votes, and you know, Obama's the one that voted against it. So uh, that's a tough argument to make that it comes down on both sides. So. Uh, anyhow, so I, I don't know that we've come to any, we've certainly spent quite a lot of time on this. I don't know that we've come to any consensus on the general state of the economy that, but the, here's the one thing that I think is, and it was an interesting point is that we're six years, we're sort of six, we're about six years out of the last recession at this point mm-hmm. where we might actually be due for another recession. That's the kind of scary part. Is that right about now? 
you know, we're into that zone where we might be due for another downturn. Um, so, well, and that's the thing we don't have our 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 politicians can't get their crap together in order to handle, uh, a a minor economic downturn. And we automatically look to the fed to handle things because they, you know, the central banks aren't uh, held accountable to voters. And so we've become completely dependent on them to handle these things for us. But the central bank is about out of ammo. They, they don't have anything to do. You know, they raised the interest rates just now, which was stupid. And more than, you know, so they probably will have to, they would have to drop them again. And then we're looking at potentially going into negative interest rates, which you can do, but you can't do for long periods of time. This isn't healthy. This isn't good for the economy. So you need the government and the legislature to step up and pass laws and pass bills that can help to uh, encourage economic growth. But our legislature can't get their act together in order to do these things. So that that's the scary part. Now, if we go into negative interest rates, I'm refinancing my house. Yeah, I'm just saying. Fact. Uh, we need to move along. We're going to uh, do our little rounds of applause for the week. The things that we really liked to hear out of people. Uh, so, what 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 do you got? Who'd you enjoy? Man, uh, for one last time, while I have the chance, I'm going to give my round of applause to to Mr. Kasich. He he had a good debate, and once again, as he has in pretty much every single debate, every time he opens his mouth, he is the best candidate the Republicans have. He is the candidate who could definitely win uh, the general election. He is the one who knows how to govern. He is the one who knows how to make things happen, how to balance a budget, how to uh, reform the Pentagon. He's the man. He can do it. Please, for the love of God, vote for him. Um, although I don't really see that happening. So thank you, Mr. Kasich, for, for being a, a, the shining light for all of us. Yeah, it's a shame. He really proved himself to be the bigger person in the room the other night. Just in every case, you know, because you had, you had that three-ring circus in the center. And then i i don't know Carson. the candidate I, 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 i'd say the guy was high but you know i don't think he smokes weed which is a good thing because i think him and weed whew, you think he'd move <laughs> he would just stare at you <laughs> i don't know the, i don't think he would creepy move. um <laughs> it would be creepy but you know he made he made what he made a really interesting case made a really interesting point the other night and it's and it's the one th- you know th- there's been this thing that because there have been i think some people like me that there has been this sort of undercurrent of minor disappointment in the Obama years and not that, and and understand I like Obama and a lot of us do this. We, we really like Obama as a human being, but we look back with a mild sense of disappointment in the Obama years. And I I think that that's sort of the way that I will continue to look at them for a little while. Um, and they're one of the reasons why, even if you took everything that John Kasich has said and, and made it come out of Marco Rubio's mouth, I still would have a hard time voting for him. Um, and it's because of this this intrinsic inexperience in dealing with the nuts and bolts of government. Kasich was making a point about the Apple versus FBI thing. And that was where he chose to take his shot at Obama and say, you know what, this is where Obama's weakness is. It's because... This is the kind of thing that shouldn't, he said, this is the kind of thing that should never have gotten out into the press. This is what a, where a president has to get involved, where the rubber meets the road, and get this person and that person and this person and that person all in a room and say, figure it out. 
I'm going to lock the door and you guys are going to sit here and hammer out an agreement. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that, that he good... said, that's what executives do. That's what presidents do. And I think that that was a fantastic point about Obama because I, I think that his impatience with the legislative process and where presidents need to get involved, mm-hmm. which is that when it becomes time to you know, stomach sitting through dinner with Mitch McConnell and, and, and being able to get McConnell and Boehner and Reed and Pelosi all in a room and, and knock their skulls together and say, you guys aren't leaving here until this is figured out. And I, that has, that has been one of my, you know, my, uh, just general frustrations with Obama. And he really gave voice to that very case. It gave voice to that very well the other night, I thought. Um, so yeah. he did and, that. And, that and, was a very constructive criticism of Obama, as opposed to and, what we often hear out of the Republicans. And that, and I respected him for it, and I liked it, and I agreed with it. Yeah, I did. I did too. Uh, you know, um, yeah. So sorry to kind of steal your steal your shit there, but I no compliment Kasich all you like. He's awesome. Yeah, I I do. I like the guy. You know, again, if you want, if they wanted to. It's like I've, I've been saying this whole time. The Republicans had their chance to make me make a choice, and they didn't take it. So, well, at least, I mean, barring a miracle, they, they didn't take it. So, uh, you know, we'll see. My round of applause this week is going to go to, to Secretary Clinton. I, 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 I don't normally watch acceptance speeches after each one of these little primaries because they're all effectively the same. You know, you... If they won, they're proud that they won. If they lost, don't really, we didn't really lose. We actually won. You just don't know it. And, you know, if they got clocked, well, you know, we didn't really get clocked because we got other stuff coming up. You know, it's it's a great thing about primary season. It's like a little bit like T-ball. Everybody wins and, and gets a trophy if you pay Clever. attention to them. But if you didn't watch her speech tonight, go back and watch it. It was really good. Really, really good. And it's it is you've seen her improve just consistently over the last several months with giving speeches handling large events being a campaigner and looking more and more presidential as she goes and tonight man she nailed it she really nailed it. And she said some really wonderful things about where the state of, of the country is and gave you this completely contrasting view of what you see out of the Republicans. My, my favorite part of it was that she said, we, we do not need to make America great again. America has always been great, but we do need to make America whole again. That's brilliant. nice. That's nice absolutely thought it was brilliant. Now, and she had, there were several moments in there that were really, really good. You should watch it. You really should watch it, man. And, and that's fantastic. And that's great. And I, and I'm glad. Um, but, and while I do disagree with the, the extreme negativity that comes out of the, out of the Republican side on the economy, you know, I, I, I would be a little concerned by 
you know, uh, 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 maybe a little bit of too much of a rose-colored glasses vision of, of the economy. You know, we do have serious issues with the economy that need to get addressed. You know, um, we, we need to address. And the biggest thing is entitlement reform. You know, this this is huge. This is this is this is crucial to everything. And, and it does need to get addressed and it does need to get taken care of. Um, and I don't like what I hear coming out of the Democrat side as far as how to handle these things, uh, because some of the things that they propose, I, I think, could do real damage to the economy. Uh, and that that makes me nervous. So, I mean, I'm, I'm I, I like I, I don't I don't dislike President Clinton or oh, oh good heavens. Uh, I, don't, <laughs> I don't dislike Secretary Clinton, but uh, you know, the basic viewpoint, I mean, she's one of the ones saying that we need to raise social security taxes. Um, you know, so, hey, the government's been super irresponsible with your money, but give us some more and maybe we won't be quite so irresponsible this time around. I, I think that's a horrible solution to their problem and dangerous for the economy. Well, but I think we're going to get a better idea of how she'll govern. My, my, my. Look, I'm, I'm not saying that I think every proposal that that Secretary Clinton has put out there is is perfect, or that I agree with everything she says. I don't. And, uh, you know, there are certain. Obviously, there are some things that, that are that are concerning. Um, but it was the general tone of uh, you know tonight to me was more about tone, and uh, striking that sort of balance in the two because. A lot of this tone, a lot of what bothers me about conservatism these days is the tone. And uh, I. Well, that's I fair. That's s- a fair statement. And, yeah. And, you know, it's not that I disagree with conservatives just offhand. I don't. I mean, there are some things about, you know, I mean, I believe in fiscal responsibility. I, uh, I believe in corporate tax reform. I, b- I believe in, uh, you know, uh, fixing things like the payroll tax and uh, capital gains tax and all that other stuff. But, uh, you know, uh, but at the same time, I don't believe that this is a shitty place to live. No, and absolutely not. To, to hear, I mean, just, you know, uh, because I, I, this is sort of our next topic anyway. The just some of these are some quotes that, that I've written down the last few weeks. Jeb Bush the other night when he was conceding and, and dropping out of the race. This is a direct quote. The bright shining light of America has become a flicker. Dang. Marco Rubio constantly talks about how this is a this is a turning point in American history. If we do not elect a Republican this year. We will be the first generation to leave their children worse off, leave our children worse off than we were. Well, uh, that that's not a crazy statement. I mean, that's a generally accepted truth that we are, our, me and you, our generation is going to be the first generation to leave our children that are going to be worse off than our, our parents were. We're not going yeah, to do better think- than our parents. We're going to be worse off. That's, that's, a, that's a credible statement. I know I'm not saying that it's not a credible statement, but I'm also not saying that uh, that nothing that it, that that will definitely happen. And there's no way to reverse that. And that hinges entirely on electing a Republican or electing a Democrat, for that matter, uh, because I don't I just don't think presidents are that powerful. Um, I think it has there are a lot more cogs in the wheel than that. And to me, that is to lay it again to hear him talk about it. That is to lay the entire thing at the feet of Barack Obama. 
um, which is not fair. Which, which is not. I mean, and a lot of the blame, I, I think you can place an enormous amount of blame at the feet of George W. Bush. You know, we've talked about how, you know, we, we regret some of the just extreme negativity that we had towards him during his pregnant, during his presidency. But that doesn't take away from the fact that he did a lot of bad stuff. And I, and I think that it's perfectly no, reasonable yeah. for the American people to be a little bit skeptical of a Republican Party that's saying, hey, no, give us the reins. We can fix everything. When in, in actuality, it was the Republicans having the reins for eight years under W. Bush that caused so many of these problems that Obama has had to deal with. Um, so, I'd, yeah, I'd, I, I would tend to agree with you that saying, oh, well, if we just elect a Republican, everything will be good. I mean, maybe, but only if we elect an actual Republican who's going to, to follow through on Republican beliefs, you know, which is small government, fiscal conservatism, things that Bush did not hold to at all. And we, we need a president who's actually a Republican president who will actually do those things while at the same time managing to reach across the aisles and, and bring Democrats into the fold. Bring back Reagan. That's oh 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 hell! What was that? What? What? Oh, I thought you were about to diss Reagan. Well, oh oh, I'm sorry. If I did, would would, (laughs) would that would that would that be bad? Well, yeah. Am I not allowed to to diss Reagan? I mean, you're allowed to mildly disagree with him, but he's certainly one of the greats. I'm sorry. You're right. I should be worshiping at the altar. I want to. I want to. I want to throw you out. I want to. I want to throw you out a couple of quotes because you talk about real conservatism and all this other stuff. But and what what actually is real conservative these days? And and because your litmus test is very different from I think the litmus test that a lot of people would put out there. So um, I just want. I just want to throw out a couple of things. Um, <clears throat> And uh, because I'm interested to see if you can figure out who who quoted these. First of all, who would you say is the 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 father of of, of conservatism as it is today? Real conser- modern conservatism. Well, that's that's a little bit up in the air, right? So one response to that obviously would be Reagan. The other response to that would be Grover Norquist, right? This idea he's the one who did this this blend of the social and uh, fiscal policies that created the the modern Republican Party. Um, so yeah, one one of those two. And where does where, and where does where do you see Goldwater is fitting into this? Barry Goldwater. Yeah. Wow. Just no. <laughs> not a, not at all. I, I don't think so. I mean, he. I mean, he got trounced. You know. I mean, Reagan saved the party by bringing us back from him. Uh, now, do some of our current candidates maybe sort of dance on that level? Yeah, I, I think you could definitely say. You know, if Cruz got elected, then we would be going through that same the same direction we went with Goldwater. Which I mean, there's there's conservatism, and then there's there's a little bit crazy. <laughs> See, it's interesting that you say that because I, I have a couple of quotes from Goldwater that are very, that are very, very interesting because that's what I thought too. 
And and then I looked at it, and then I looked him up, started doing some reading. So okay, here's one. This is and again, this is Goldwater. While I am a great believer in the free competitive enterprise system and all that it entails, I am an even stronger believer in the right of our people to live in a clean and pollution-free environment. To this end, it is my belief that when pollution is found, it should be halted at the source, even if this requires stringent government action against important segments of our national economy. Oh wow! All right, maybe I'm being maybe I'm being a hater, but I mean he's generally recognized that's, as a pretty severe conservative, and that's why he got trounced. That's one. Okay. Quote: When you say radical right today, I think it means I think of these money-making ventures by fellows like Pat Robertson and others who are trying to take the Republican Party and make a religious organization out of it. If that ever happens, kiss politics goodbye. Oh well, that turned out to be accurate. That was in 94 when he said that. So, yeah, pretty, uh, it's, 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 it's interesting stuff. And maybe I was too, you know, like I obviously, you know, he was well before my time. I haven't studied him a whole lot. You know, I certainly quote the whole, uh, you know, any government that's big enough to give everything you want is big enough to take it all away. Uh, but he is generally accepted as, I guess at least maybe it was for that time. He was to the extreme right and, and we lost severely because of that. Um, in 64. Yeah. And he may have been a little, uh, ahead of his time. Yeah. But I mean, certainly, and you can point to multiple Republicans throughout history, you know, when we try to say that, well, what, you know keeping this stupid EPA in, in check is, is, you know, that is one of the foundations of conservatism. Well, no, not really. I mean, Teddy Roosevelt was pretty big on the environment. Uh, apparently Barry Goldwater was too. So, uh, you know, I, I guess it, it can be hard to define specifically conservatism. Uh, but I, I think it's more just a general philosophy that, that people are better, better at handling their problems than the federal government. Uh, and as much as possible, it needs to be left up to the people. You know, this is, the church has a, has a term for it, you know, the principle of subsidiarity, the idea that the, the smallest group of people that can handle something should handle something and should be empowered to do so. Uh, and I think that's the, the defining difference between Republicans and Democrats. Now, when you get to, you know, some of these really much more specific issues, uh, I, I think it becomes very dangerous to, to hold these things up as a litmus test and say, you're not really conservative if you've ever, you know, preached amnesty as, as Ted Cruz is so fond of. I, I think that sort of thing is, is very dangerous and, and not constructive at all. Because if you had, because here's, here's, a, here's a question that I have is, is that you talk about the, because the way that I see the Republican Party these days is I do not see a party with any real fiscal ideas. What I see is a party of social issues and religious issues. And that's it. That's really all they seem to want to talk about. And because I, I think I do think that it's interesting if you had someone who met every standard that you talk about from a fiscal responsibility standpoint and for the most that was for the most part entirely a, a real dot in the wool fiscal conservative but if they were say pro-choice then they would probably be immediately blown off by the party don't you think well they, they might get blown off on the on the national stage you know, that would certainly cause issues. But I mean, you just look at the Nevada governor, you know, that, that Obama was looking at for, uh, 
uh, for the Supreme Court. You know, I mean, he's a he's a fiscal conservative Republican, but he's also pro-choice. You know, so I, I think when you talk locally, when you talk within state elections, I think there's a lot more leeway. But yes, I think you're correct that if you had a uh, Republican candidate who was for president who was straight up pro-choice, I, I don't think he would he would get anywhere uh, because. In the primary, it's that's too that's far too big an issue, and it would it would never be allowed. And is that well? Yeah, I mean, I because in that respect, I don't know that I could even make the same. I think if you had somebody who was a dyed in the wool progressive Democrat who was pro life, they probably wouldn't make it out either. Yeah, no, so, definitely wouldn't. No, I mean that's yeah, that's probably. But you do so. get. Pro life Democrats, pro gun and, and pro gun Democrats who do perfectly well on the state level. Well, and you could point Bernie as an example of that because Bernie has done a few pro gun things coming out of Vermont. Mm-hmm. And what, as he has said, he has to. Yeah. You know, because he lives in a very gun friendly state uh, when it comes to. Uh, when it comes to, to Vermont. So um, I. And and just this, uh, you know, our next topic really was was intended to be sort of the the fighting back of the establishment against Trump and whether or not there is, you know, where where do they go from here, you know? Because I I do think that you had you had Romney coming out and trying to hit Trump on the tax returns and uh, Rush Limbaugh and Fox News both have uh, gone as effectively on rants blaming the. Uh, Republican establishment for Donald Trump. Um, and that's fair. Is, okay. Why do you think it's fair? Because I know the reason that they think it's fair and I know why I think it's fair. Why, why do you think it's fair? Well, I'm, I, I think you can point to exactly what I was just talking about with George W. Bush. You know, I mean, this was uh, the epitome of the Republican establishment taking control for eight years. And what did we get? We got big, giant, enormous government. Well, that's not conservatism. That's no good. And uh, and so you you see the 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 primary voters and the everyday Republicans no longer trusting the establishment. And you throw up somebody like Trump who's talking a big game and he's loud and confident, and everyone gets all wrapped up in it. Uh, whereas if the establishment had done its job when it had the opportunity to do its job, then Trump would never have gotten a chance to gotten a chance to do his thing okay that's a perfectly legitimate and perfectly well-reasoned argument but and so and and do you think that that's where the but that's where the okay actually you know what i was going to come back with something else but do you think that that actually is where the republican the anger that is there in the republican base comes from yes anger at what is the tea party the tea party movement did not start because of obama The Tea Party movement started before Obama. The Tea Party movement started as a reaction to Bush and a reaction to his betrayal of conservative values. That's when the Tea Party started. And it exploded and it turned into, you know, Obama became the main focus of it. But originally it was a reaction to Bush. And that's what we've seen. We've seen the establishment betray conservative values. You can look at just look at the picture of the signing of No Child Left Behind, a violation of everything conservatives believe in. And Boehner is right there holding Bush's hand, you know. Uh, And yeah, so absolutely. I think you can point to that. Okay. Well, and I, 
Yeah, because I mean, you know what? Either way, we're going to come back to that being the base of it. I, you know, because there is this thing that that Trump sort of appeals to, uh, you know, again, Trump appeals to the anger. Mm-hmm. And I think the point that Rush and Fox have been trying to make is that the the establishment hasn't done anything to uh, address that anger, and or right. even well, and now they've anger. even been defending and what they Bush. Want is for well, and but what they want is that they want the establishment to turn. Yeah, the establishment is turning around and defending Bush. But what they want the establishment to do is to not only acknowledge that anger, but to be angry too. They're saying that if they wanted, if the establishment wanted Rubio, if they wanted Bush to be the front runners, then the only way for them to do that was to effectively jump in the, you know, jump in the mud pit and to say, yes, we're angry. We're as angry as you are and we're not going to take it. Rubio has been living in the mud pit. He's been right there with everybody with 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 shouting and hollering and he's perfectly angry. Jeb, sure. No, Jeb, Jeb was, Jeb wasn't too angry about stuff. But I, I think to say that Rubio hasn't been angry, I mean, he's he was, I mean, that's part of where the whole automaton robotic response that Christie got mad about came from, you know, Rubio's is that he was been, just Rubio's shouting about dramatic. Hillary Clinton and shouting about Obama. Rubio hasn't been, he hasn't been angry. He's been, he's, he's been dramatic to me. That's the thing. He's been, a, he's been an over a bit of a dramatist over this entire thing. And that's why I, I don't know that he really gets to the anger the way that Trump does. And the thing that concerns me, though, is that this anger that he's turned into, uh, you know, this uh, this almost, uh, you know, uh, this, this sort of alienating kind of campaign to where it that, that can't win on a national level if he keeps it up. Uh, Trump? It is. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Um, no, I don't. I don't. I don't think it can. Not if it. Not if he keeps playing at this. At this kind of thing. I mean, you know, I. I think he's got to. He's got to tone it down to a certain extent. Straight up one on one with Clinton, without Clinton having some you know massive FBI explosion. I, I think you're right. I think he can't win. But you start looking at a third party like Bloomberg, and yep, I think Trump can win. Well, but is Bloomberg? But okay. We don't know what Bloomberg is going to do. Nobody does. Um, there's just there's there's no way to there's no way to know. Right now, we're assuming that it's going to be Trump versus Hillary, and we'll see what Bloomberg decides. But if if it's Trump versus Hillary, like it looks like it probably will be, I just don't know that that anger translates into a win for him. What concerns me is where does that anger go when they lose? Because that's the thing about playing on people's fears and stoking people's fears is that if you don't satiate them what what happens next i think it and goes into that's that's what that's what for obstructionist uh senators and congressmen oh wait that's already happened so <laughs> yeah you know Fair like point. i i think i think i think we've already seen what happens uh and we need a president who can who can overcome that and and not just overcome that, but who can who can work with the Republicans and, and acknowledge, because as much as I hate the obstructionism, right, as much as I hate that, as much as I despise it, we, we do have to have a president who recognizes that they have a point, you know. They have a point that the government has gotten out of control. They have a point that our debt is out of control. They have a point that our entitlements are out of control, and they have to be reformed. It can't just continue to be business as usual. While I am happy that Ryan, Ryan 
uh, followed through with the, the budget that Boehner had put forth and, and, and moved things along because we have to keep government going. I, at the same time, I get the frustration that at, at what point do you say enough is enough? You know, at what point do you say no, no more? You know, I mean, we will shut down the government if you won't acquiesce to at least some of our demands for a little bit more fiscal responsibility. I, I, I don't know. I don't know that I, I don't know that I have a response to that. But so do you feel like in that respect, do you feel like you the, the Republicans haven't gotten anything out of this obstructionism? No, at all? I, I don't they haven't gained any ground whatsoever. The, the best that let's see, what ground did we gain? We gained on education. We made something happen there. We got what we wanted yeah. out of that. Uh, but you know, you look at you know, you look at the, the the budget that's that's going on. You look at these things that are being put forth, and the things that we get aren't the things that are like, oh, good, that you know, scales back the government here and here that cuts back this. You know, it's like, oh, we gained oil subsidies. Like what? What? We don't we don't even need oil oil subsidies. That that's the establishment coming through for its people, and that's why Americans are pissed. Right, but. You say, well, at what point do you come back and say, well, we're going to, we need to, we're going to shut down the government and because we're not getting any of what we want. Doesn't some point, is, do you ever get to a point where it's like, you know what, this obstructionism crap isn't working. Threatening to shut down the government isn't going to work. Shutting down the government didn't work. All of this talk coming out of Congress and every time the president opens his mouth to say the exact opposite, just because it's the exact opposite, instead of coming out and saying, you know what? We probably don't agree with a lot of that, but we're going to sit down with president. We're going to hammer stuff out. And then being able to go to the president and say, you know what? We're not trashing you in public anymore we're not going to play that game because we actually want to sit down and try to work on some of this stuff at the same time don't you think that that would make him more receptive make the democrats more receptive because the the republicans are the ones that talk this huge talk in the media constantly about how i mean just look at again look at the scalia thing the very first person to say anything about scalia's death out of congress was mcconnell and he said, we're not going to do anything. And the you know, the people need to decide 80 year precedent, blah, 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 blah. So at some point, don't you think that the conversation needs to change? And maybe that's, maybe that would solve the problem because all of this big talk in the media and shutting down the government, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, hasn't worked at all. So go in the other direction. Look, I agree. And I, and I think hopefully that's what Ryan is doing. You know, hopefully Ryan is trying to, to, to reach a more conciliatory tone uh, out front, but then in the back is is laying down the law and hopefully going to get um, you know some more conservative um, values put into play. Uh, you know, but at, at, to an extent, the whole shutting down the government thing can work if it's done properly. You know, just look at what 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 the newt was able to accomplish. You know, don't forget for all we talk about Clinton and Gingrich working together, they shut down the government too over a massive budget fight. Um, so sometimes these things happen and sometimes they're necessary. And both sides definitely do need to come a little bit more uh, towards the middle. Um, but if you want to see an end to, to Republican instructionism, then you got to, you, you, we got to, you got to let us get some things passed. 
That's true. Yeah. And I'm not, again, I'm not saying that there isn't room for that to happen, but I, I, I think that more of this, I think we're basically in the same place, but I think that an awful lot of this is at the feet of the way that people talk publicly. I think that's very other. true. I think that's very true. More so than anybody wants to admit. Okay. We got to move on. We got to do our WTF moment for the week. Uh, who have you got? WTF. What's up? I was completely blanked. I know that I have one. You go first. Mine goes back to, uh, mine actually goes back to, this is something that, that happened a few weeks ago that I, I, that I was just disgusted by. And I, I was watching, they were talking about, this was back before I didn't get a chance to talk about this. That's why I'm bringing it up now. Um, but it is pertinent to a certain extent because of the endorsements when we're talking about Lindsey Graham endorsing Rubio, uh, Lindsey Graham was talking about having endorsed Jeb Bush to Wolf Blitzer, uh, on CNN. And he said, you know, basically the conversation was, you know, why are you endorsing Governor Bush? And, and Graham said, well, I think not only do I think he's best for the country, but I, I think that Ted Cruz and Donald Trump are a dangerous, are dangerous. They are dangerous people. And I think that's a danger that they would be dangerous for the country as, as president. He actually used that word dangerous. And Wolf came back and said, well, Okay, that's interesting, but you're endorsing Governor Bush. He's getting beaten fairly handily. It looks like it's very possible that Donald Trump could be the nominee. So, I mean, if Donald Trump is the nominee and or Ted Cruz, and you say that he's dangerous, then would you go would you go ahead and vote for him? Because that seems a little bit of a turnaround. And Graham said, "Well, I mean, I'm a Republican, so I mean, I would, yeah, I I I, I would have to vote for him." And Wolf said, well, but you just said, you know, they're dangerous. I mean, and if they're dangerous, then uh, do you really want, would you really go back and vote for them? Because, you know, shouldn't the, I mean, shouldn't, if they're dangerous for the country, shouldn't the country kind of come first? And, and, and Graham goes, well, yeah, I mean, the country's important, but I'm a Republican. Wow. Wow. You could have come back with a better response than that. I mean, you could have just said, yeah, but I think Hillary's even more dangerous. You know, like, I mean... Uh, that was your response? Really, Graham? That was his response. It quite possibly was one of the most disgusting things I've seen. Wow. And I've liked Lindsey Graham so much in all of this. That's really annoying. Yeah. There have been some times when I did, when I, when I really thought I was starting to like the guy, but I, I was just, I was just floored. It was, it was the one, it was so disappointing. And so I don't even, I, I almost want to use the word typical, but it was, it was, it was awful. You know, and just so indicative of all of this is like, you know, this is not about your party. In any case, if I genuinely thought that Hillary Clinton was really dangerous and my choices were between Trump and Hillary Clinton, I would really hope that there was a third choice involved. Uh, because I, or I would vote for a write-in candidate, but I still wouldn't cast a ballot for anybody that I thought was a dangerous human being, really genuinely dangerous. And that's why I'll never vote for Donald Trump, even if Hillary Clinton is indicted. Um, and then I, I, again, I'll vote third party in that respect. Uh, but man, that was just really, really disappointing. And I definitely a big, what the kind of moment. So yeah. Anyway, what, what, what do you got? Well, I'm going to give mine to another former presidential candidate, Chris Christie, who just either yesterday or two days ago or something came out and endorsed 
Trump. Uh, what? This guy, Chris Christie, had portrayed himself as the establishment candidate, the guy who can get things done, the guy who tells it like it is, who can make things happen, and then he's going to come out on the side of Donald Trump, the anti-Republican? I, I've never seen someone that's so clearly a, a career political advancement move that he would turn his back so completely on all of his values, on everything that he stood for, to go for a guy like Donald Trump. Incredibly disappointing. I'm sorry that I ever liked him. I can't believe that he would do that. That's funny. I wasn't really surprised. Oh, that surprise. I maybe it was the New York the New York connection. Maybe it was just I've been a little skeptical of of Christie for a long time. Uh, I I don't know. I really wasn't. I really wasn't that surprised. Well, I but, was, yeah. and I was very angry about it, and I am still well, very sorry. angry about it. Well, that's too bad, because I think Chrissy can use more supporters these days. Because I don't know that he's going to have a job once he comes to be up for, can he, can he get reelected again, or are there term limits? In New Jersey? Uh, he wouldn't get reelected again. New Jersey doesn't even like him anymore. I don't think they like him all that much. And that, that, that could be, again, I, again, I say he could be angling for the uh, for the. Uh, He's angling for the the, vice presidency, but he'll take attorney general attorney general job. Yeah, Uh, totally fair. So let's do some quick hits and then we got to get out of here. We're way on time. Uh, Interesting thing the other night from in the Apple versus FBI debate. Uh, All of the Republicans came out on the side of of the FBI. And I'm shocked that I agree with them for the most part. the uh, I, I saw an interview with a guy who was at one is the only person in the country that has ever been the, but the head of both the NSA and the CIA uh, who effectively broke this down by saying that the one I've, I he according to him, he said that what the FBI is effectively saying to Apple is that they want that, that what it is, is what I said last week, which is that I don't necessarily believe that there is only no way for them to only that in only in order to unlock this one phone, they have to unlock all the phones. And on another level, I saw uh, another explanation from a, an expert on CNN who uh, basically clarified the entire thing by saying that what what the FBI is actually asking Apple to do is to basically take the take the the self-destruct mode off the phone they're not actually trying they don't actually want them to let them into the phone what they want them to do is to they want them to make it so that the phone won't completely self-destruct and lock everyone out so that the fbi can then turn around and use their own password breaking software on the phone yeah i think rubio pointed that out yeah which is and uh, yeah, he did actually. That's, that's another, yeah, that was another place I heard it. I forgot. I knew I'd heard it in two places. So I don't know. My, 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 I'm, I'm still leaning towards FBI on this one. Any of this change your point of view? Uh, man, I, 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 for me, it stays the same. I, I don't, my, my intelligence level is not high enough in terms of nerdy computer stuff in order to know. I would need like a little, a little panel of nerds in front of me, including, you know, Tim Cook, Bill Gates, and, and other, you know, may throw in a little Mark Zuckerberg to, to help me understand what the hell everybody's talking about to try and see if is Apple being honest and that what they have to do is open up a, you know, this sort of backdoor encryption master key, or is it, or is it not that extreme? Uh, so I, 
I really, I can't say. I can't say who is right. I don't even have an opinion. Fair enough. The Nevada governor. Yeah, at one point Obama was pushing. Was was it was rumored that Obama was considering the Republican governor of Nevada for? And then he plan. ran away. Oh, and so then he ran away. <laughs> it really didn't take I long. Want no it part took of this. Hours. Take me out of the consideration. Yep. That really didn't surprise me that much that that he backed out the way that he did, because it's sort of like if you want to have any political future at all, you're not going to get involved. And it's hard to blame him for that. That how, how do you, how, were, were you surprised by that at all? Uh, no, not surprised. Disappointed, maybe. I mean, I guess a little surprised. I mean, it's still the Supreme Court. I mean, I, I get that it's you know going to be tough on you, a little dangerous, and you know maybe a little bit of struggle for your future career if you don't get on. But man, the chance to become a Supreme Court justice. I don't know. I, I kind of think you would want to jump on that, but apparently I was mistaken. I mean, right? You you, you don't have to worry about getting. A yeah, job. right. Done. Good benefits for like. I'm, I'm in. Done, I think right? I, yeah, I, they've got perks. dental. <laughs> so I'm told. Uh, in Alabama, Birmingham, Alabama voted seven to nothing. The town council uh, with one abstention. Uh, to increase the town's minimum wage to $10 by the end of 2017, the Alabama legislature turned around and shot them down and said that now they individual municipalities cannot set their own minimum wage. Uh, these have to be set at, the, set at the state level. This was passed overwhelmingly by the state house, the state Senate, and signed into law by the governor. Uh, I kind of think that's crap. Uh, well, what do you I, think? I, I, you know, I, I think that's crap as well. Um, yeah, as I said, I, I generally, I genuinely hold to the principle of subsidiarity that the, the, the smallest group of people who can handle a situation should be allowed to handle that situation. Well, I might completely disagree with that municipality's decision to raise the minimum wage, because I think that that does damage to their city, uh, but if that's their choice, if that's what they want to do, then that's I think that's up to them. And to just completely revoke the the city's rights to do that, uh, I think is a violation of our conservative principles. And I'm assuming that Alabama is run by conservatives. I don't know why. I don't know why either. Crazy talk. Crazy. This seems this uh, seems like a yeah. reach. But yes, I, I think that that's political opportunism and. Just because this municipality is disagreeing with the higher power, that higher power is violating its own uh, conservative values. Yeah, well, and I, I would love to see if the federal government tried to do that to a state, do something. Whenever, whenever the federal government tries to do that to a state, that's when we're, that's when conservatives. Right. Are yeah. No. Absolutely. So, you know, but it's okay. What for the state to do it to municipalities? Whatever. Uh, Finally, Mexico's response to the wall. Mexico has finally decided to jump in nice. this conversation about the wall. God bless. Uh, right down to a formerly not at all popular former president in Vicente Fox saying, we're not going to build that fucking wall, <laughs> which I thought was awesome. And Trump's response to this was particularly hilarious when he said... Was it a tweet? Very... Well, not just the tweet, but like in the post-debate spin stuff, he was he, he was acting very, he was very disturbed by the bad language. <laughs> the former Mexican president. This is a guy who we have on camera multiple times 
saying like, I think that's bullshit and fuck those guys and all this other stuff at, at campaign rallies for heaven's sakes. And he was actually trying to take the moral high ground over the former president's bad yeah. language. I, I, I think it's pretty, all this pretty um, bold considering the fact that, you know, uh, Trump was trying to say that he would, he didn't want to bad mouth Palestine because once he's president, he wants to be in a good position to negotiate. And so he doesn't want to make enemies there when he's done nothing but make enemies with so many of the countries in the world. What? I, ridiculous. <laughs> Uh, God bless him. But welcome to the conversation, Mexico. We're happy Ooh. to have you. <laughs> so, all right. Well, I think that's about all we got this week. This is, uh, as always, been a blast. Uh, my, uh, my, my, my final thought tonight is, is, is the same as it always is. Please go register to vote. Uh, as Tim put so eloquently last week, Donald Trump is going to be the Republican nominee. And it's time you figure out how to move forward with your lives. <laughs> in that universe where that's the truth. <laughs> so, and the best way to move forward with your life is to go out and register to vote. Go ahead and put in take day off in November. How about yourself, sir? Anything else? Agree. Go out and vote and don't vote for Trump. Done. <laughs> Word. Thanks so much for joining us. Please come back next week when we will have all of the follow-up to Super Tuesday. Have an outstanding evening. Mm-hmm.